Hey, what is up? Welcome to this episode of the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brian Lofermento. In today's episode, we are focusing on growth and we're doing it with someone who has incredible experience both at the corporate level as well as as a solopreneur level. This is someone who inherently understands growth when it comes to sales and marketing. Why? Because he puts people at the center of his mission. So let me tell you about today's guest. His name is Michael Heyman with over 13 plus years in sales and leadership, $40 million in technology and services sold, 25 direct hires, 50 plus sellers managed, seven plus managers led. Michael's mission is centered around helping founders and business leaders realize their vision of growing a profitable company. Michael serves as the head of growth for a company called GovForce, which is a company that has been successful in acquiring seed money. They're growing really quickly. Michael's the head of growth. So we're going to get so many insights into what it takes to make a business grow today. He also has his own sales consultancy, MRH Strategies, which we're going to talk about in today's episode as well, where he helps early and mid-stage companies put the right sales structure in place to achieve repeatable and predictable growth. Two words that we don't often use when we view our own growth. So Michael's going to tell us how to get there repeatably, predictably. That's such an important part of growth. I'm not going to say anything else. Let's dive straight into my interview with Michael Heyman. All right, Michael, I'm so, so excited that you're joining us here today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Brian. Heck yeah. I think it's fun because we always hear about this term head of growth and growth is like, it's such an inexact science for most people. So today's going to be really fun. But before we get into the good stuff, fill in those gaps for listeners. I tooted your horn quite a bit and all the amazing accomplishments you've had in your career. Take us beyond the bio. Who's Michael? How'd you start doing all these awesome things that you're up to today? Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Uh, so who am I? So I'm a father I'm a husband. Uh, I try to play golf, uh, sometimes good, sometimes not so good. Uh, but, but really where my passion lies and why I do what I do is I'm, I'm really, really passionate about helping people progress in their career. And, you know, when I think about my early time in sales, when I just got out of school and, and I really started getting into sales, quite frankly, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Uh, I got into sales because I come from a long line of, of sales, uh, salespeople within my family. And so it was just what I knew. Uh, and so when I got started, what was important for me was to understand and grow as quickly as I could. When you're younger, you have ambition to grow as fast as you can, right? And you realize the race is long, the older you get, a little bit more wise. And so for me, what my early days taught me was that I need to be more patient. And when it comes to revenue, you there's the immense amount of patience, especially when you're building businesses. And so this, this need to constantly be flying, uh, flying upward is something that I always focus on and how I can help people both understand the perspective there as well as grow. And so what started as a individual contributor career and, and morphed over time into a leadership role, uh, what I realized is a lot of the issues that come from revenue we're almost based on strategies that are only applicable to maybe one or two instances. And so when you think about a uniform sales process, what always uh, stuck out to me is why can't we create something that leans more towards understanding and really seeking to understand from, from the audience rather than why don't I tell you what I do? 
And so I approach every engagement, regardless of who I'm speaking with, with how can I help you? What are you challenged with today? And then what follows after that is really the product and what I represent. But if you put the mission of what people are really after first, you will get a lot out and a lot in return for helping those people get to what they need. And oftentimes that will include buying whatever you're selling. Yeah, I love that overview, Michael. You know, I've heard a lot of answers to that question in my years as a podcast host. Not many are as articulate and also simultaneously drop insights and wisdom in that overview. So really well said by you. And I especially love how you pointed out that patience, the balance of patience versus revenue. It's something that we all face as entrepreneurs. I want to start by focusing on because you've said revenue, you've said growth. And obviously, I pick on that title of yours, head of growth. It's something that we all hear, but what does that actually mean? Because when we talk about growth, are we strictly talking? I, I obviously we can't not talk about sales and revenue when it comes to growth. But what does a head of growth actually do, Michael? Uh, head of growth does everything from marketing through individual contributor through sales leader. Uh, we are essentially the jack of all trades when it comes to what is the company looking like to the prospect or prospective prospects or prospective customers, right? And so uh, it's not rare for me to dabble within marketing, launch marketing campaigns, uh, think content that actually centers around what people are doing within their role and, and how that relates to just larger trend, uh, all the way through physically prospecting. So, and then prospecting to close, right? So for me, and, and when you're at a seed company, especially early, and you're starting to really build a groundswell of what that company is, head of growth is all things. What it, uh, what it ultimately is responsible for, and, and what I love about it, is you were building the function however you want it to look and however you want it to feel from the ground up. And so I think a lot of you listening will probably have uh, experiences where you've worked somewhere and you're just essentially taking what has already been built and adding to that. And quite frankly, that just doesn't fit me and doesn't fit uh, my background. I love building and just tinkering with things. And when you uh, join an organization where you're ultimately responsible for just playing that role, which there's no problem with that, uh, and that's most companies out there, right? But what I really get excited about is how can I take things I've learned in the past and build it differently in the future. And so I've been able to take all this wealth of knowledge from working in, at several different companies uh, and take all the great things from all of them and put it into one idea, which is really what I what I strive for. So today it will be after we conclude here, it will literally be two hours of me uh, phone prospecting, followed by a couple hours of meetings that I've gotten from prospecting or uh, business partners. And then this tonight, it will literally be writing content that we'll be putting on to product sheets to the external market. So it is all things externally facing. Yeah, I love that real life insight into not only what your day looks like, but the thought process that goes behind it. Listeners know that my word for the year for 2024 is building. And Michael, you've already dropped it. It gets me so excited because I love that concept. And it's equally for the verb as it is for the noun. When we think about buildings, it is laying that foundation and hearing how much that factors into your own psyche of let me build this, let me create this from scratch so we do it in the right way. So many entrepreneurs, small business 
businesses, heck, large businesses, they take that sort of Frankenstein approach where it's, hey, this once worked, this once worked, this we're experimenting with. Talk to us about the foundations. What does an actually foundationally sound growth platform look like? What are those elements of building? Whether it includes, you've already given us insights into prospecting, sales, marketing. How do we actually, because our target is repeatable and predictable growth, which we'll talk about, but how do we actually set the foundation for that? Yeah. So the first question you need to ask yourself is what problem does this product solve? From there, you actually reverse engineer everything from that question. So if I'm thinking about what the problem solves, let's say GovForce, for example. So what GovForce solves for is we solve for contract admins that are essentially bogged down in the administrivia related to everything that comes with a federal contract. For those that are in the space know that comes with annual updates of certificate of insurance, that comes with uh, annual updates of your W-9, and so on and so forth, resume, think anything you're sending to a partner. And so when you're solving that problem, you have to put yourself in the shoes of the person that is actually feeling that pain. If you don't actually feel that pain, you will come across as disingenuous and you will lose the room. So the problem is then bridged down to how does the person dealing with this problem feel? And then you take that and you say, okay, if I were in their shoes, how does what I represent solve that pain and problem for them? If you are not solving a problem today by what you are providing, you simply are not going to survive in this market. This is going to be a market where one product is uh, one one product of which you're selling needs to solve multiple problems. Uh, maybe in the better economic times, people are willing to pay for one product, one problem. But now they're looking to consolidate tech to solve multiple problems. And so, how are you actually solving the problem based on what you are providing, and how does that solve and make that person's job and life better from an end user perspective? So if you take that approach, you can then start building messaging, building content, building anything that you would put in front of an external prospect. You can start putting that from the lens of them versus you. And this is the biggest problem I see every single day in the sales world. Salespeople, uh, honestly, it might come down to just uh, ineffective training at the corporate level or uh, just, just essentially disjointed management. But but what the problem always comes out to be is you have salespeople that are selling features to a product and not actually tying it back to the overall problem that the product serves. And so if you're able to actually bridge problem to solution, not problem to feature, because that will be thin and you will be priced out, the lowest price vendor will win that deal. But if you're actually able to say, let me take this problem and build the entire messaging strategy around that, you're putting yourself in the position of not the vendor, but the buyer. And so once you do that, everything just flows from there. So that's the foundation. Boom. Listeners, Michael's giving you this foundation here in real time. The first thing that I heard is messaging and you hear how much he is the end customer focus. He's doing all of it from their perspective. And I think it's so important. This is the work you need to do. Go back and listen to that answer from Michael again. You've got this handy rewind 30 seconds button in your podcast player. Do that because Michael's laying it out in real time. So you need to take action on this. This isn't theory. This is from someone who not only is growing his own business, but is helping a really quickly grow growing business grow for themselves. So I think it's really important to take action on this stuff. And Michael, I think that that really reveals your approach 
to sales right there for us, which is obviously the people focus. It's something I teased at the top of this episode. Listeners know we always ask guests, what is your zone of genius? And you wrote, it's centered around understanding people and what motivates them. Sales is mostly an art in understanding what moves people both internally and externally. Michael, how do we go about getting in their heads? Because obviously, in some cases, we've lived it. A lot of our businesses serve a former version of ourselves. But you, it seems, I mean, you've made a career out of helping people across different industries, business models, business sizes. I love how much of your experience you roll into what you do today. How do you get inside their minds at such a deep core level? So you have to come across as genuine. Uh, we, we all see this every day in our in our lives, and we may not tie it back to business, but we've all been in that, that group at a party, perhaps, or any social event. And you just feel that energy of that person that just feels very forced and just not really genuine. And so for me, what I try to come across as is what you see in my world here is what you'll get if you run into me at the grocery store. And what that means is I wanna be someone that has real substance that when they get onto a call, they're not like another salesperson. Because let's be honest, everyone hates to be sold. People wanna be understood. And so if I'm trying to understand someone, I'm coming from a stance of what is called coming in at neutral which is I'm not too high, I'm not too low in tone, energy, I'm coming in baseline, and then I'm tone matching what the audience is doing. So if I'm coming into someone that uh, perhaps is really high energy, really excited, I will come in at neutral like this tone, and then I'll hear them introduce themselves and now I'm matching them. Because people like people who are like us or like themselves, right? And so I wanna mirror what they do so that they understand, wow, Michael not only understands me because he's matching me, but I think he might have something here because this feels familiar to me. It's that feeling of being familiar to someone that will allow them to open up. And in sales, you cannot solve a problem if the recipient is not willing to open up about what that problem is. And the only way you get there is if you can come in and they can open up to you. So number one, come in at neutral, Number two, match their energy. And then number three is genuinely seek to understand. This doesn't sound like, you know, you have a notepad down and you're saying, oh, so what is your biggest problem today? No, no, no. It's it's literally having a fluid conversation as if you've known this person forever. So it's, you know, so Brian, help me understand. You've you've been doing this podcast for, for years now. You know, I'm, I'm curious, what is that challenge that you typically see from folks? That question, just that idea of getting across to someone that they feel not like that question is self-serving to me, but genuinely seeking to understand where you you are challenged, you will naturally open up on that question versus me saying, hey, Brian, what problems are you facing today? You're going to be like, relative to what? I have a ton of problems. What are, what are you thinking? Not to, not to cast dispersions, right? But the idea is you have to be genuine and real. And if you are, people will tell you what they're dealing with. Yeah, and I'm going to add to that, Michael, because one thing I noticed, obviously, you and I talked off air before we hit record here today. And the one thing that I noticed is exactly it's your grocery store analogy. That's going to be one thing that sticks with me from today's episode is just on a human level. It's just about that connection. I mean, whether you and I connected about Northern Virginia, which is where my brother lives as well, or even in your intro after we hit record is you talk about being a dad, you talk about being a husband, you talk about playing golf. These are the things that are relatable. So to other human beings, who all have these types of things in common, it, it 
establishes that common ground. So I really love the fact that you took us there and I think it's important sales advice. Let's talk actually, I I wasn't going to ask you this, but now that you brought it up, I realize how different your approach probably is, especially from the newer entrepreneurs that do feel so robotic, that are leaning on formulaic approaches to sales. Everyone wants to know that question. Is there a sales script? Are there certain questions I should ask? Michael, I'm going to let you take this away and dispel all this stuff for listeners here today. Yeah. So anyone that's worked with me will roll their eyes watching this, but it starts with open-ended questions. So if you ask anything with do, have, is, anything that follows those words from a question standpoint is a yes or no. So the second I ask that, I'm going to get nope, and then I'm stuck, right? What am I going to do from there? So in terms of just being fluid, it's starting with things like help me understand to what extent out of curiosity. It number one comes across as as being genuine, but but number two, it actually sets up a fluid conversation. And I'm big on what is called layering questions, right? So I will take that question and based on that answer, I will then ask a second level question that gets me deeper to the end goal. So maybe my goal is to understand uh, where who they're using for contracts uh, management today. So I will start that by saying, you know, help me understand from an internal perspective, what tool are you using for contract management? They'll typically say something like, yeah, you know, I'm using company X and that's, that's where we've been using for the past couple of years. And I'll say, oh, that's interesting. You know, on a scale of one to 10, one being I hate it, 10 being I love it. Where would you rate that product? Yeah, you know, Michael, it's an eight. Oh, interesting, what makes, what makes it an eight and not a 10? I'm just naturally leading them to tell me what their, what their challenges are. And as luck would have it, those challenges are exactly what we solve for. So then I would say the third level question of that, I can actually close end that and say, sounds like if you were to have it, everything you have today with the value of having X, Y, and Z that you don't have today, you would be better equipped to execute on Y, which is your value prop. Yep, that's right, Michael. So that is how you have to think about asking questions. It's not instinctive and it's not how anyone in real life talks really. So it's tough to train your brain to get there. But the more you do that, the more people will just start opening up. And it's not necessarily opening up at the detriment of themselves. It's opening up on things that maybe they just haven't spoken about that they're challenged with. And so if you take that idea with anyone, anything you sell, anything you represent from a business perspective, if you come in with that baseline idea, you will get so much more information versus just asking yes, no's. And when I think about that relative to business, it's the same idea. Every business owner is struggling with something. They might not be honest with you about what they're struggling with, but everyone has struggles. And more than that, everyone is looking for some sort of magic bullet. Unfortunately, that magic bullet does not exist. However, if you can layer questions and come across that way, you will get people to actually open up in ways that they might be saying things for the first time in your presence around what they're actually struggling with. And so it's not plugging a product. It's not selling a feature. It's simply trying to help someone be better at what they do every day. And that's my why, right? That's what I get out of bed for. And that's ultimately why I started MRH Strategies and and what I'm helping uh, achieve at GovForce, which is how can we help people that are struggling with something every day add value as well as solve a problem that they don't have today? That's my why. 
Dang, Michael, in real time, I feel like you're dropping a sales masterclass on us. We've had many guests in this show's history, seven years, 700 plus episodes talking about sales. Obviously, we've all heard other people on podcasts, YouTube videos, sales books, but I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about this stuff the way that you do. That layering of questions, it's brilliant. And I actually would argue that it does follow that logical step if you're curious. I think that you're really following that path of curiosity. And I think it's so important. I personally, I mean, as a podcast host, obviously, I'm not selling anything here today. But I feel like you just kind of exposed that I've learned as years of being a podcast host that instead of asking specific questions, so frequently, I find myself saying to guests now, I'm just like, share some insights here. Because when you leave people room and space to talk to share their insights, you never know what's going to come out. When I ask someone, share your perspective, share your insights, they'll take that question where they want because they know what's in their mind better than I do. So yeah, you're exposing a little bit of my interview process here. And I absolutely love it because I think it's such an important takeaway for listeners. I want to ask you this because a lot of people, it's those two sexy words at the top of the episode, repeatable and predictable. Those are the two farthest words that a lot of entrepreneurs feel when it comes to their business growth. How do we even go about making this stuff? Because can we go get a sale? For sure. How do we make sales repeatable and predictable though? Yeah. So start with the same concept of what problem are you solving? So that will forever be the foundation of whatever you do, whatever you build. That's the foundation. What follows that is then, okay, if I were to walk someone through a story, which is what a sales presentation is, I'll tell you, if I, if I see uh, one more deck where it's just pictures of features, my head's going to explode, right? People watching PowerPoints tune out because we're not engaging. We're not actually grabbing them and helping them understand that this is a story and people remember stories. So I have the foundation of the problem I solve. I then take them through, okay, what's the story of the product? No, wait a minute. What's the story of the problem that the product solves? That's more compelling, right? So then I take that and I actually chop up slides that tells that story. So it doesn't feel like a presentation. It feels like story time and people remember it so much more and they leave that presentation feeling like, wow, I learned something today, but I also really value that PowerPoint versus seeing text on the entire slide. So I, it's not uncommon for me just to have literally an image on a slide and the entire idea around the image to someone, if I emailed it to them would be meaningless, but in the presentation, it's a narrative. And so I'm telling a story and I'm helping them understand their problem, why their problem ties to this solution, and ultimately what the future state of what they want to build is. So I do that. And then from there, I circle back and I ask a very simple question, which is, I'm curious, how's that resonate with you? You're going to get a bunch of different answers from that. But what will typically happen is if you told the story well and correctly, you're going to get, yeah, that, that really resonated with me. Now, circle back to my layered questions. I can say, interesting, help me understand what what resonated with you the most. Now you see I'm coming full circle. I'm layering again, right? So everything starts from the foundation of value all the way through storytelling, their current state, maybe their desired state, and ultimately the solution, circling back on the problem that it can ultimately solve and what they're feeling about it is. And then that will typically follow a number of different sales steps. If you have a piece of software that you're selling, typically that's following a demo. 
after the demo, you would typically get into a proposal. So I have very predefined sales motions that no matter who you are, what company you're operating within, you're going to be following the same steps as the last person. That allows you to build a really strong narrative as to what you're building and, and what you're saying that can be repeatable. Stories are repeatable, right? Maybe telephone, you, you mess it up a couple of times, but that's okay. The evolution of a story is in real time. So for me, I tie a story back to what can I actually remember that I think the audience will remember. And if you take enough people through that, you start building a process without you even knowing it. And you get into a flow. And of course, there'll be prospects, some different than others that will take you off that flow or maybe no real reason to go through the story because they already know about you. But you generally have a repeatable process from the first time I talked to you through the time you signed the contract. And that is only done through deliberate building of those sales stages. Yeah, I'm so glad that you brought that up because this is one of those sales secrets that I for sure didn't realize in my early 20s when I had my marketing agency when I was living in Boston is, Michael, confession here on the air, I used to think you had to go for the clothes in the moment. And it's because of all those movies we see, you know, Wolf of Wall Street, always be closing. We hear the Grant Cardones of the world where you have to be closing the sale. Talk to us about those sales steps because a lot of people, I think this is the antidote to all that stress that we put on ourselves, to all that awkwardness that people feel when it comes to trying to close a sale. You already revealed one such sales step that I embraced and it really worked for me was the proposal where I was like, hey, this meeting isn't about me selling to you. This meeting is about me figuring out your needs. I will put together a solution and a proposal that I think will get you to where you want to be. That took so much of that closing pressure off of me. Talk to us more broadly about these sales steps because you also use the word process. And I would argue that most entrepreneurs, this is where they drop the balls. They don't have that process, Michael. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, an idea is only as good as a process. So if I have a really good idea, but I have a process that's lacking, it's the idea is never going to take flight. And so when I think about uh, the question really around process and, and how we're going to ultimately execute on a process, it's, first of all, understanding why you have a process. What is it? What is it creating? And was it prohibiting? It creates a fluid structure that allows you to maximize repeatability. Uh, it might feel uniform at times, but to your point around always be closing, you know, I roll my eyes at that because the idea of hard no sales ha- has gotten us, I, I believe, uh, further back in time. And what I mean by that is salespeople are generally dubbed as these people that are very self-interested, very uh, me, 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 and not customer, customer, customer. And that comes from an inherent why for me, right? Which is, why Why do I want to close the sale for them? Is it because I want to make money? If so, that's a selfish endeavor and they're going to see right through it. If it is, however, because I actually want them to succeed, they won't view you as disingenuous, right? They'll view you as someone that truly is seeking to understand. And so the always be closing is actually implied in the storyline. So when I ask the, help me understand how that resonates with you or what resonated about that, what you're actually getting is you're actually getting them to validate a soft close for you. That is a soft close question. How does that resonate is me basically asking, do you agree with what I'm saying? So it's implied. The idea that I have to explicitly ask them for their business, depending on the stage, 
is just immaterial to me. I can pick up on nonverbals. I can pick up on body language that signals to me where they are, especially eye movement, right? Uh, there's, there's this concept around how someone looks, where they look after you ask, ask them a question is literally what type of learner they are. So if you look up after you ask a question, you see me do that a lot. I'm a visual learner. So I look up every time I'm thinking or I'm about to ask a question because I'm, I'm actually trying to visualize what that looks like. If I'm looking down, that means I'm kinesthetic. That means I need to feel the product. I need to feel the, the thing. So if you're selling software, this person's definitely going to want to demo. And if I look to the right or the left, that means I'm auditory. That means I will resonate more with how you explain something to me versus how you show it to me or how I just interact with the demo per se. So I get to all of this to essentially say, you don't necessarily need to hard close unless you're at a proposal, right? So I will typically have a stage where you get entrance criteria. This is typically something like pre-qualified, maybe marketing nurture. This is someone that either has been a hand raiser saying, yes, I would like to learn more, or that you cold prospected that's interested in understanding what you do. Following that, you have a formal discovery call, which is essentially help me understand what you do and how that ties back to how I can solve that problem. If you're aligned in that step, you would then proceed if you're selling software to demo. Demo is what we all know. It's where either the seller or the sales engineer will be on, on the call and actually walk through the product with them. Following that step, is proposal. And depending on the size of the deal, depending on the scale, you could have a million micro steps in between these formal steps, a million one-off calls, a million, sorry, I'm catching out of the blue, do you have five minutes kind of thing. But then following proposal, I'm waiting for a yes or a no. And so the hard close here is the only place I would recommend a hard close because to me, the rest is picking up and reading nonverbals. So I will ask at the end of proposal, you know, I'm curious, what would prevent you from choosing this solution? I'm now asking explicitly. And then from there, there's a whole world of the sale that folks don't even talk about. Getting the yes is simply the beginning of every other process that starts. Every uh, sales com or company now will typically have a legal review of the MSA or order form. That will be followed typically if you're selling software by a security review of some sort. Typically, these 150 question spreadsheets about the security of your technology. Uh, we haven't even talked about budget, by the way. Where's budget coming from? Where are we ultimately securing the signature from and whose budget is it coming from? Is it was this planned or unplanned? If it's unplanned, you have a whole a whole background to do on who's getting the budget from where? What is it? What are they sacrificing from that? So it's really understanding how organizations plan financially. And then following that is signature, but we haven't even started onboarding, right? So depending on what you're selling, the process is so long. And that is why to have regimented steps in a formal process is the only way you can be repeatable. Otherwise you're running hundreds of bespoke processes that just don't scale. Man, oh man, Michael, I think you just did two things for listeners here today. One, I think you really discouraged them by showing them how much we're lacking in all of our businesses. But two, and most importantly, you paved the clearest path of all at how we can fix that. Because these are all very actionable considerations from you dropping the exact types of questions that we can ask with real life examples to all the different steps that we should consider. And I think so much of it shows why a lot of businesses has never achieved that that elusive 
predictable, repeatable growth. These are the secrets right here. And I would argue, I knew that we would run out of time here today. I'd argue that you could probably have a 100 hour episode here with us today with all of your sales and growth experience and probably continue to blow our minds every single minute. So with that said, obviously we talked about your role of head of growth, but Michael, I want to make sure we carve out a few minutes here to talk about your own business because I love that not only do you have all of these skills and experiences and insights, but you are also committed to bringing those to businesses to help them implement all of this stuff. So talk to us about MRH strategies. Yeah. So it's an idea born out of what I always wanted to do. Uh, Tell this message that I just told you and your audience, but tell to anyone that is looking to develop that in their own company. It could be as small as just an outbound messaging strategy. You know, listen, we're not getting great outbound results, really looking to refine that. All the way through, listen, I have a sales team, literally no structure. Everyone's sort of doing their own thing. There's no measure of success in terms of what works and what doesn't. Uh, So it really depends on where the company is. But what I typically find are pre-revenue companies or companies that are typically Series B or sooner are generally lacking structure because they have really good ideas. But to the point, the question you asked earlier, they've lacked in building a a consistent structure that actually enables that idea to truly take flight. And so what what I'm really passionate about is helping companies that are in that position ultimately solve problems through that structure. And so again, it could be something as small as outbound all the way through an entire sales build for them. Uh, I will tell you, it's not easy starting a business. It's not like you, you start it, you put that website live and you sit there and wait for the inbounds. It is literally phone prospecting, um, getting crunch, crunch-based subscription and literally cold calling CEOs to understand what they're challenged with and, and how I could add value. So, you know, there's no magic bullet there. It's a ton of work. Uh, you're, you're a consultant, right? So there's no job security. So you have to constantly go out and find new contracts. But what I find is if you have two or three really good customers, you could do it for a very long time. I chose to, to actually uh, put it on pause and go work with GovForce because I believe that is the future of where the FedCon space is moving. And I think it solves a real problem to someone that hasn't necessarily had a lot of solutions presented to them in that way. So for me, it was a real clear why of alignment on what I want to solve for in this world and, and what it does. But the same thing with MRA strategies, it's, you know, founders have this dream and they have this idea of what they wanted their company and product to do. And the execution is generally where they're going to struggle. And so my goal is just to help them cut through that noise and help them see really clearly about what that end goal is. And then I can map any process to it. So that's ultimately what MRA Strategies does. Uh, we're, we're in the market trying to help companies realize their full potential uh, through process. And if you can do that and you do it well enough, you'll get a lot of customers. Yeah, Michael, that's the real life picture that we aim and we're committed to painting here on the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. So I love hearing your perspective on that and and really the harsh realities of being an entrepreneur. For you listeners, you hear the work that Michael's putting in. This is what it takes to grow a successful business. So I love the fact that you've shared that with us. And speaking of painting that clear picture, the hardest part for guests in every single episode is to give listeners that clear takeaway. We talk 
talked about so many amazing things here today. You've shared so many insights from your own experiences with us. What's that one takeaway that you hope listeners who have listened to all this knowledge that you dropped on us, what's that one thing that you hope they do from here? Uh, think outside of yourself. Be more to others than you are to yourself. If you can do that and you solve for that in a real way that comes across, keyword again, genuine, people will look out for you. Uh, and I will tell you, right, uh, it's, it's interesting how many, how many people from my past, maybe one of my first jobs, end up you seeing again. And so the impression and how you make people feel, they will remember forever. And so I'm, I'm less focused on what the product does, but how you as a human made someone feel in any given moment is the only thing they'll remember years from now. So that's what you should take away. Uh, aim to be better and aim to help people uh, be better people for themselves. And if you have that mission, things just work out. So the karma of it all. Heck yes. Good advice for every single one of us, no matter where you are in your business's growth journey. Super important words of wisdom from Michael here today. Michael, with all of that said, I'm personally keen to see how far you all can take GovForce. You're up to big, meaningful work in that space. I'm also super excited to see all the companies who are lucky enough to work with you under your own brand, MRH Strategy. So drop those links on us for listeners who want to go deeper into following you and your business's growth journeys. Where should they go from here? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, MRHstrategies.com is my personal consulting website. There's a bunch of contact us book type links. They all link back to my email or my cell. So feel free to, to reach out. And then GovForce, it's govforce.us. Uh, feel free to poke around the site. And then my LinkedIn is just my full name. So linkedin.com forward slash Michael Heyman. Listeners, you already know the drill. We're making it as easy as possible to find those links wherever it is that you're tuning in. Scroll right on down and you'll find those links. You can click right through to Michael's business website, which is mrhstrategies.com, as well as the GovForce website we're linking to, including Michael's personal LinkedIn as well. If you want to connect with him, say thank you for coming on the show. Most people are too shy to do it. So be one of the few that actually is brave enough and brave and courageous enough to reach out, expand your network and network with incredible business minds like Michael. So Michael, on behalf of myself and all the listeners around the world, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. Hey, it's Brian here. And thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. If you haven't checked us out online, there's so much good stuff there. Check out the show's website and all the show notes that we talked about in today's episode at thewantrepreneurshow.com. And I just want to give a shout out to our amazing guests. There's a reason why we are ad-free and have produced so many incredible episodes five days a week for you. And it's because our guests step up to the plate. These are not sponsored episodes. These are not infomercials. Our guests help us cover the costs of our productions. They so deeply believe in the power of getting their message out in front of you, awesome entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs that they contribute to help us make these productions possible. So thank you to not only today's guests, but all of our guests in general. And I just want to invite you check out our website because you can send us a voicemail there. We also have live chat. If you want to interact directly with me, go to thewantrepreneurshow.com, initiate a live chat. It's for real me. And I'm excited because I'll see you as always every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday here on the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast.